this morning. So maybe if you will, just grab your Bibles. We'll flip through a few places this morning. Maybe say something will stick in your heart. I was looking in uh, Haggai this morning for just a moment, and, and uh, that's not where we'll land permanently this morning, but let me just read these words to you in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but uh, it says, You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holders. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And I thought about that. How we need to consider our ways. It's the truth that we need to be daily reminded of. Sometimes we are putting our wages into bags with holders. Forgetting the truth of what's just ahead for those of us who are born again and we focus our efforts and our lives on temporal things and not eternal things. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we have to consider our ways. I believe we'd all be well served to, to take heed to what Brother Joel, the scriptures that he read this morning, the scriptures that I'll read to you this morning, let your soul be refreshed and reminded in the truth. God's word is truth. It's truth. And your soul needs to be reminded of these truths. And that's the, the thing that's sticking in my mind this morning was the soul of a man. The soul of a man. So when God created man, the scripture says he created him in his own image. Look with me in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Amen. According to our likeness, it's the first record we have of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit together. Let us make man in our image. In Genesis 2-7, we learn more about that creation. When God said, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. That's the body that he made. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That's the soul. God has placed a living soul inside of a formed, lifeless body that was made from dust. And this was different from all other creation. It separated man from the animals. It separated man from other things. This is how we were made in the image of God. This soul that God has placed in us. In these earthly tents, brothers, don't talk about our flesh. In these earthly tents, it's the way that Paul described it in Corinthians. God has placed a living soul in you, in me. One person said it this way. You don't have a soul. You are a soul and you have a body. Does that make you understand it better? You're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. Your soul is who you are. It's the breath of life that God has given you. And 
right now as you sit and listen to the messages this morning, I'm not speaking to a body. I'm speaking to your soul. It's the inward man, the inner you, the one that God said, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's the inner man. It's, it's your personality, your emotions, your will, your mind. It's the essence of who you are. It's the soul. And that is the thing that you need to be most concerned about today. In a world that tries to tell you to be more concerned about the body. How it would look. What you should put on it. What you should feed it. Instead, be concerned with the soul. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. If you'll go with me now, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Familiar Scriptures. Hopefully they're all familiar to you. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus spoke a parable to them and He said this, He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Amen? And He thought within Himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So He said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Amen? If you mark in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline one phrase there. Now, you may not mark in your Bible. If you don't, just try to remember where it's at. But I encourage you to underline it so that when you are flipping through your Bible one day, you'll see that little phrase and it'll jump out as a reminder to you. It's the it's seven words you find in there in verse 20. Here's what they say. Your soul will be required of you. Be good for us to go back daily and remind ourselves, amen? All throughout your life, whether you're young or old or somewhere in between, you're going to need this reminder, whether you're rich or poor, doesn't matter. You need this reminder that one day your soul will be required of you. You'll need to revisit those words time and again. So that you reset your mind constantly to this truth. And brothers and sisters, this is the truth. One day, and we don't know when it is. It could be when we're old. It could be when we're young. It could even be today. But one day, our souls will be required of us. One day, just as surely as the first breath entered our lungs, our last one will leave them. Amen? It's a certain fact that's beyond dispute. Our life here is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it vanishes away. Some vapors last longer than others. But eventually they all fade away. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, listen to what the word of the Lord says. Verses 7 and 8. 
talking about this day. He says, for he does not know what will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? No one has, the, has power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. And no one has power in the day of death. You see what he's saying? You don't have power to stop it when that day comes. No one has power over the soul to retain it. When God declares it to come back, it'll come back. Amen? Whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you think it will or not, whether you believe it or not, one day your soul and my soul will be required of us. God is going to separate soul from body. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Amen? This is going to happen one day to you, friend. You best listen this morning. Whatever your condition is, you better know that one day this body will return to the dust from which it was created, but your spirit, that soul, is going to return to the God who gave it to you. That's what happened to the man in this parable. His life was on a good track. Over the years, he worked hard and he had yielded well. And now his barns were full and another season had come and gone. And yet again, the ground yielded plentifully. His needs were met beyond measure. Life was really starting to look good. This man had it all. He had all that he needed and more. And so what did he decide that he was going to do? He said, just to get a little bit more ahead, just for a little additional security, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build a little bit bigger barns so that I can store all this up that, that I've been given here and I'll be set for the years to come. All his focus, all of his attention on taking those uh, those blessings, those those yielded crops and, and making sure that they were kept up in store so that he could take his ease, so that he could relax, so that he could eat, drink, and be merry the rest of his days. But what the man didn't realize was that the time had come that his soul would be required of him. The appointment had slipped his mind like it so often does ours. That's what I want you to see. He got so caught up in this life that he lost sight of the fact that one day his body would return to dust and his spirit would go back to the Lord and the barns wouldn't matter and the crops wouldn't matter and ease wouldn't matter and none of those things would matter. He had accumulated much. But you know what he had really? He didn't have a barn full of crops. He had a barn full of distraction. Many of us have barns full of distraction this morning. Amen? He had been given much and to whom much is given, much is required. But unfortunately, what we read here in Jesus' parable was that he was not rich towards God. 
but he laid it up for himself. I'm telling you, this parable is lived out repeatedly day after day before our eyes. Every day we hear, every day we see, you open up the, the newspaper and go to the obituary, obituary section, go turn on Facebook and look and it'll have somebody's obituary on there all the time. We hear and see of souls being required and bodies returning to dust. It comes in different ways. It comes at different times. It doesn't matter. Sometimes old, sometimes young. Sometimes through tragedy. Sometimes through accident. Sometimes through sickness. But whatever way, it still comes. And just like we read in Ecclesiastes, nobody has any power on that day to change it. Friends, it's appointed unto man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Even in Matthew, he said, even the very hairs of your head have been numbered. We've got to never forget that truth. We must remember it every single day. That's why the psalmist, he cried out and he said, teach me, Lord, to number my days. The rich man had no idea as he made his plans that that very night his soul would be required. Man, he had a good plan laid out. Just, just one last season of crops and I'm going to store it all up in my barn and then I'm going to take my ease. And then I'm going to relax. And then I'm going to eat, drink, and enjoy. But that was his plan. But God had a different plan. A different plan in mind for him. It was the day that his soul would be required and he didn't see it coming. Friends, be sober. Be vigilant. Always watching. Always ready. For the, the Lord will come in an hour when you expect not. In a day when you think not, the Son of Man cometh for you. James chapter 4. He said this. He said, come now, you who say today and tomorrow, we're going to go do such and such. We're going to go to such and such a city and spend a year there. We'll buy and we'll sell and we'll make a little profit. James said, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Amen? For what is your life? It's even the vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Instead, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Amen? But now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. In other words, what James is saying to us, it's really plain and simple, right? It's not wrong to make a plan. There's nothing wrong with making a plan as long as you can remember that your plan is dependent upon the Lord's will. If you're going to live and do this thing or that thing, it'll be up to the will of God whether or not you get to. That's what James is wanting you to remember. He's saying that so that you'll be reminded every day, I've got no promise of tomorrow. I've got no promise of the next day. If the Lord allows me, I'll do this thing or that thing. But if not, I have today and I've got to make things right today. I've got to live in a way that pleases God today. I've got to get my act together today. I don't have a tomorrow. I don't have a next year. I don't have a next month. I don't have more time to figure it out. It's today or 
different is arrogance and boasting and evil in the eyes of God. We've got to trust in the Lord. You can't ever let your plans for this life distract you from the truth that your own soul will be required of you. And there's no escape. Brethren, you're to use that as a motivation to live godly. To serve God while you can. Because here's the reality. You run the risk of losing your own soul. Let's take you to another place. I want you to know this second thing about the soul. I'm trying to wrap it all up. The soul is worth more than all the treasures of the world. It's worth more. Look in Mark chapter 8 verses 34 through 38. When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now listen. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. I see so many people today and they're trading their souls for the things of this world. They're so distracted by the world's promises, so distracted by the world's treasures and riches that just like the man that we read about, they lose sight of the fact that their souls are not staying here. No matter how hard you fight for him, no matter how much technology advances, no matter how much medicine gets better and better, one day your soul is departing from this place. It's leaving here. It's not staying. There's nothing that you can do. There's not one. You can exercise and eat right and do all those things. And it's good. The Bible says exercise, bodily exercise profits a little. It has a little bit of good to it. But it don't stop this. It don't, it don't take from this day. This day is coming, friend. It is coming. And it don't matter what plans you've made. It don't matter uh, uh, who you think needs you around. It don't matter what you think. When that appointment comes up, it's time. You've got no power over it. Oh, we don't like to even think of it. But you need to think of it this morning. My soul is not staying here and neither is yours. Neither is yours. People will begin to give their souls and their will and their emotions and their affections and their time and their mind to any pursuit of the world. They start thinking like the man thought. I just got to find ease. I just want to build a comfortable life. A life that's filled with good eating and drinking and being married and they lose sight of eternity in the mix of it. I challenge you today, friend, most of us on many days have lost sight of eternity. We don't 
don't even think about eternity. All we think about is what we're doing right now, and if we're happy right now, or if we're feeling good right now, with no concept of eternity just ahead. And it may be even at the door for you. And when we get like that, friend, listen to what I'm telling you. When the world, as Brother Joe talked about, that darkness all around and, and our eyes being blinded, when we get like that, many people today in this generation have forfeited their own souls for nothing. For something that won't last, something that they can't hold. It's like trying to grab the wind. Amen? Go out and try to get you a big handful of wind. It just goes right through, don't it? So it is with this world. The desire for money, the desire for success, the American dream, the comfortable, easy life, all these things overtake so many people's souls today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Timothy warns, right? Paul warns Timothy, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. That's how you came. Empty-handed. You brought nothing in and it's certain you can carry nothing out. Amen? Boy, you do well to remember that. The next time you're at the store, you think, I have got to have that thing. You ain't going to have it long. Amen? You ain't going to have it long. And having food and clothing two basic necessities of life. Having food and clothing with these things, we should be content. But are we? Come on. But those who desire to be rich. Now, if I was talking one-on-one -on -one to a lot of you and I said, look, now I know a way that you can make a lot of money. You'd say, give it away. Come on. Give it away. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and snares. And into many foolish and harmful lusts. Look what it does. It drowns men in destruction and perdition. Amen? Drowns them in. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. It's true today. I stand before you this morning to tell you the truth. Your soul is of greater value than all the treasures of the world. It's of greater value. And you must never allow that enemy that Brother Joe spoke of, that one that don't have the power, you must never allow him to deceive you and to trick you into exchanging it for something of no value. The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the American dream, they are weapons of warfare against you. They're sent to distract you and to blind your eyes from the greater realities that await us in eternity. That old enemy knows if he can keep our eyes here, then we will be of not much value for the kingdom of God. Amen? There are so many today, friends, over the years they've professed Christ. So many. But when but when it comes right down to it, they'll listen, they'll come to the altar. They'll say a prayer. 
Don't even go be baptized. But when it comes down to denying themselves and picking up their cross and following the Lord, they're not going to do it. They've been unwilling to lose their life to save them. Oh, but this is where the journey always takes you, friend. For those that are, are dipping their toes in the water of Christianity and they're saying, I think I want to be a Christian or, or I, you know, I, 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 I want to do this. Listen, you take a few steps in and this is where it's going to lead. You're going to be faced with a real decision. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm just speaking from the heart this morning. You're going to get to a place where you're going to be confronted with the truth. And if you want the life that Christ promises to those that are born again, you have to be willing to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow Him. And what most do when they get there is they turn the other way and they'll continue to occasionally sit in a pew and they'll occasionally say a prayer and they'll occasionally read their Bibles and they'll occasionally do these things and they'll keep a profession on their lips but their hearts are far from God because they won't give up their life. Come on. Unwilling to surrender. Trying to live in both kingdoms. But there is no dual citizenship, friend. You can't have a citizenship in heaven and a citizenship on the earth. You want to get into heaven, you want to go through the narrow gate, you've got to pray off the baggage of the world and go through the gate which is Christ and there's no other way. And you listen, like Lot's wife, you can't look back, friend. Don't go backwards. Instead, push forward and push ahead. Serve God with everything you've got while there's time. This night your soul may be required of you. You know what? There is no treasure that compares to the glories of having your soul resting in the mighty arms of Jesus. I don't care what you offer me. All the money in the world, as Sister Stacy says, all the treasures that the world could hold, riches of solid gold, none of those things compare to the soul rest when you lay your head on your pillow and you know that if you suck in your last breath while your eyes are closed in sleep and you don't breathe another one out, that when you open them again, you are safe in the arms of a God that will accept you because of the Word of Christ. There's nothing better than that this morning. You can have all the rest of it, friend. Take all the things that the world has. Take all the money. Take all the cars. Take all the houses. Take all the clothes and food and fun and all those things. But just give me Jesus. That's the only thing that matters in this life. There's nothing better than Him. Nothing better. When I prayed for you this morning, and I do. I pray that you would see the beauty of a Savior who was willing to purchase your soul from death and hell. Willing to take sin's curse upon His back so that you would no longer be under the curse. Like, like Paul prayed for the Ephesians, 
He said that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and breadth and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that they might be filled with the fullness of God. That's what I want for you. You know, the Bible is not even something. It's not up there, Thomas' description, but I think it's Hebrews chapter 13, if I'm not mistaken, verse 7. The Bible says that as a pastor, one of the things that I'm called to do is to keep watch over your soul. That's hard work, folks. Now, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. It's hard enough to keep watch over your own. Trying to keep watch over everybody else's. But I can only do so much for you. I can only go so far. That's why I'm just a little under shepherd, but there is a great shepherd. A chief shepherd. A shepherd who can do all things. He's not limited like me. This is why I preach to you the hard things that I preach sometimes. This is why I don't always preach fun and smooth and laughable things because I care about your soul more than I care about anything. And I wish you would know that today, friend. To know the love that it takes sometimes to stand and say things you don't want to say. To have conversations with people you don't want to have with them because you know it'll hurt. Nevertheless, if it will potentially save their soul, you have to be willing. Amen. As I was studying for this message, I found a little story I want to share with you from another from another man. I, I know you guys are probably getting tired. Can you bear with me? Skate rink, don't even get us in there until 2 o'clock. I did that on purpose, amen. I could have got one to four, but I said two to five, because I thought maybe I might need a little extra time. There was an old English preacher years ago by the name of Roland Hill, and he was preaching and he had the power of the Lord resting upon him for sure. And thousands would come out to listen to him and they would fill the streets and the streets at that time was called the King's Highway. And thousands would come out so much so that even though he had a, a fine church there in England that they had built, uh, it couldn't contain the people. So he would have to go stand on the steps and they would, thousands of people would fill the streets to listen to him preach. Man, I wish it was like that today. Not because I want to be proud, but man, I'd like to see more people saved. I drove by the lake the other day, and I'm getting off track. I drove by the lake the other day, and I thought, my goodness, well, I'd like to be in that water as cold as it is, putting somebody under because they give their heart to the Lord. He was preaching one day there, and the streets were filled, and there was a, a noble lady who was very rich, and she was trying to get her carriage uh, through the, 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 the crowd. She was had an appointment with other nobles. And the preacher, he saw her there as he was preaching the gospel. And he, came, he drew nigh as he continued to preach. And as he preached, out of nowhere he said, I offer this woman up for sale to the highest bidder. Who will buy her, he exclaimed. Who will make a bid? And the preacher went on to say before the crowd could respond, he said, the first bid is in and it comes from the world. 
You know what? Then he said, the next bit's here. And it comes from the devil. Oh, from that day forward. There was a poet that wrote a poem about it. And I'm going to read it to you this morning. It's long. But it's not that long. So you don't get discouraged. <laughs> I can read it quicker than what you know. <laughs> he said, Will you listen, friends, for a moment while a story I unfold? It's a marvelous tale of a wonderful sale of a noble lady of old. How hand and heart at an auction mart, soul and body, she was sold. Was in the Broads King Highway that a noble preacher stood, telling the fallen and the low of the Savior's love and a home above and a peace they all might know. All crowded around to listen, they wept at the wondrous love that could wash their sins and receive them into his spotless mansion above. While slow through the crowd, a lady proud, her gilded carriage drove. Make way there, make room, cried the haughty driver. You're closing the king's highway. My lady is late and her majesty's awake. Give way, give way, I pray. The preacher heard and his soul was stirred and he cried to the rider maid. Your grand fed days and fashion and ways are all but perishing things. Tis the king's highway and I'll hold it today in the name of the king of kings. Then bending his gaze on the lady, Seeing her soft eyes fall, he cried, and now in Christ's name a sale I proclaim and bids for this lady called. Who will purchase the whole, her body and soul, coronet, jewels, and all? I see three bidders. The world steps up at the first. The world says I'll give her my treasures and pleasure, for which my votaries thirst. She shall dance this day most joyous and gay and receive a quiet grave at the worst. That's what the world promised her. The world promised her treasures and pleasures and a happy-go-lucky life until the grave takes her. That's what the world promises you. Now listen. But out speaks the devil boldly. The kingdoms of the earth are mine. Fair lady, thy name with an envied fame on their brightest tablets shall shine. Shall shine. Oh, he's going to give her something. Only give me thy soul, and I'll give thee the whole, their glory and wealth to be thine. Then the devil addresses the Savior, but pray, what hast thou to offer, thou man of sorrows unknown? And he gently said, my blood have I shed to purchase her for my own. To conquer the grave and her soul to save, I tried, I trod the winepress alone. Thou hast heard the terms, fair lady, that each hath offered for thee. Now which wilt thou choose and which wilt thou lose? This life or the life that's to be? The appeal is mine, but the choice is thine, fair lady. Which of the three? She took from her hand the jewels coronet from her brow. Lord Jesus, she said as she bowed her head, the highest bidder or thou. I take thy offer, and I take it now. Amen? 
Amen, amen, cried the preacher, and the people wept aloud as the lady and throng were, slipped, were swept along who formed that awestruck crowd. And in heaven the Savior has cherished His purchase, and around that radiant seat a mightier throng with a joyous song the wondrous story repeats. And a form more rare is bending there, laying her crown down in His feet. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, guys, that the Savior has purchased your soul with His own blood. One day that soul will be required of you. Now I don't know your condition this morning. Maybe you're in here today and you've and I just I just pleaded if you're wrong. You're in here today and maybe you've never really been born again. Now what I'm talking about to you this morning is maybe you've never really surrendered your life to Christ and in faith trusted the work of Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And if that's you today, when your soul is required of you, the Bible is clear, if you remain in that condition, He says, those that die in their sin where I am, they cannot come. But if you will but give your life to Christ and you will believe and trust in Him, he has done the work to purchase your soul and to redeem it and to save it. And He can do it. Amen. Or maybe you're here and you're always busy clamoring about for the next worldly thing. I know so many professing Christians who fall into that category today. People don't like it when I say that, but it's just the truth. So many who, who hold and cling to the treasures of this life and they want more and more and they can't stop trying to accumulate more and more and more. And they get so distracted that they forget about death and the life that's yet to come. But I want to remind you this morning we have a home not made of things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, We know that if our earthly house, this body, this tent is destroyed, and it will be, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, one that's eternal in the heavens. Amen? That's our promise. And I believe it with all my heart. Let's stand to our feet. Boy, I've kept you late today. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Here's what the Bible declares Jesus has come to see you to save those that are lost. Those that have exchanged their souls for the world's lives, they can be found this morning. Never out of reach for the Savior's honor. In Luke chapter 15, Christ said this. He said, What man of you that had a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Amen. And when he has found it, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you likewise that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Amen? Maybe you're the one today. I don't know. But if you are, why don't you come and pray and ask God to save you? Trust in the Lord. It's a altar will save you. But the God you meet here can. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've been just absolutely distracted recently by the world. And you, you think that I'm condemning you, but I'm not. I'm loving you this morning. If you've been a little distracted, why don't you come and bow down at an old altar and say, Lord, take away these distractions from my eyes. Help me to set my eyes I profess to you today, I confess right before you right now, many times I've taken my eye off the prize. Many times I've done it. Many times I've had to come back and pray. And that's God. Forgive me and set my feet back on the path. Now listen. While these are praying here, don't you forget lost person this morning. Those last words we read in Mark chapter 8 when he said, If you're ashamed to confess me before me, in this old sinful and adulterous generation, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. When the time comes to confession before my father. So if you're here and you're lost to the burden of sin, come lay that burden down and confess that you want to be a Christian. You can do that today.
And I pray that everybody else in here knows it too, God. And if there's any lost, I pray they feel the weight of conviction weigh heavy on their heart. So much so, God, that they might lose their sleep, God. That they might come to a place where they see their need for salvation before it's everlasting too late. God, he that has an ear, let him hear this morning what the Spirit has said to us as a church. Thank you for sending so many out today, God. It was a good encouragement and an answer of prayer. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful. I pray you protect them. God, I pray that they're filled with your love and the fire God, that comes from heaven in your life and that serve you in our name. Let us pick up a cross. As our brother said, carry that in your name. I sure want you to know that I love you.